Poetic Properties is a complex creation brought to you by Infinitely Complex Production and sponsorship with Peacefully Flawed Apparel, where we believe that no matter the darkness, you have the opportunity and ability to get to the light. Thank you for tuning in to the Poetic Property Podcast. I am your host, Complex the Poet, father, author, and entrepreneur. Welcome back, guys. I had to take last week off. I just wasn't in the best of shape mentally or physically to um, to get the pod done. It was a heavy week for me overall. Um, just dealing with work stuff and still, you know, dealing with the kids. I'm finding that as they're getting older and trying to figure themselves out and um, and me trying to help them and or uh, just be on deck in the event that they do need my help, it's, it's taking a lot of my energy and not saying that like in a bad thing because they're my kids and I'm supposed to be there and available for them, which I am. It's just that they be on what they be on. And so um, adding that with the stuff that's going on at work, it's, it's just insane. Like I'm, I'm exhausted with the idea of change. I know it's inevitable. I know, especially in corporate America, it's something that you have to just deal with, but it's just like, it's, it's insane at my job right now. Um, from completely new leadership to no help from different departments to like, it's just, so stressful right now to work in healthcare in general because I know it's not just the hospitals that I work for. I have friends that work at other facilities and in different fields of healthcare, and it's hitting them too. It's hitting them too. And so, with that, it's one of those things that you just have to deal, right? You just have to have an understanding of what is uh, what is what and just go from there. And, and that's where I'm at now because I say all the time, nobody has put a gun to my head to force me to stay at this company. I work there voluntarily, um, of course, because I need a roof over my head, my kids need things, et cetera. But just, I just wish it was different. I wish it was different because it's affecting my focus when I get off work. And that's one of my biggest things. Like when I feel like work is affecting me off the clock, that's when I start looking for other jobs. Because for what? Like you, there shouldn't be that, that shit, there shouldn't be such a high level of, of stress on a daily in any job. Right. And it's just been hectic. So that's kind of affecting how I, you know, maneuver right now. It's kind of messing with my attitude and the things that I say is kind of limiting my want to even have conversations with anybody or anything because I just don't have a break from the grind. Um, and I, again, I know I'm not special. I know that we all have these issues and, and stuff in our life, but this is my podcast. So it's just difficult though. Trying to figure out, you know, what what Junior got going on with his life still. Um, because it hit me, right? We're we're mid-January. He got till May and, and it's over. And so was talking to him about college. Is he gonna go to the college around the corner or um the junior college around the corner? 
or is he going to still go to the uh, the university up north, uh, northern uh, northern Arizona? And he's just so wishy-washy in what he feels like he wants to do right now. And I'm trying not to be that, well, you're going to do it because this is just what it is. I didn't go to college. Like, I went to junior college, didn't finish um, my AA. I ended up going to a, a vocational school, getting my certification in medical coding and billing. I feel like for me, that was the best decision for me because I needed to get in some type of field in somebody's door doing whatever I could possibly do at a decent amount. And I didn't have a lot of money to go to college, right? Um, my grades were okay at best. So it wasn't no scholarships coming like that. And so I was trying to explain that to, to Junior, like, bro, like you got to start trying to figure out what you're trying to do. Like, are you just trying to have a job and, and figure life out? Are you trying to move into a career? Are you trying to move into entrepreneurship? Like, what's what's going on? And it's becoming difficult because he's a teenager. He just, he, he teenaging, you know? Um, on top of that, everybody besides King is in sports or attempting to be in sports. So, Twin is in soccer, Junior's in basketball. Bossy just made the flag football team, and it's just a lot. And there is no break uh, within parental stress and activities, conversations, uh, nurturing, communication and work. So my time for me becomes limited. Right. And as I'm going through my work week and I'm going through, you know, my day to day, I, I things get heavy on me. Right. Because I'm thinking about, again, Junior going to college. I'm thinking about twin, you know, looking for a job. I'm thinking about them and how they deal with their romantic relationships, their friends and stuff like that. I'm still dealing with how um, I'm still dealing with assisting in their relationship with their mother. And that in that in itself is an entire freaking like, I, I don't even know how to explain it. Because they're kids, essentially, and it's one of those things that they'll tell me 100% how they feel, what they want, what, you know, how, how they want to be. But when it's time to converse with her, they're straightforward with certain things, but they not put it a nail in the coffin, if that makes sense. So it's leaving, it's leaving room for confusion. It's leaving room for chaos. And for me, I've always had to be the mediator of it since they was little. They now have their own words, their own thoughts, their own memories, their own experience experiences with her and I. And so when they're coming to me and they're like, dad, boom, 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 boom. But then I'm like, yo, say that to her. It's, it's nowhere to be found. And so I had our, I, I have made up in my mind that I am no longer mediating at all. I'm no longer getting in between whatever it is. If they want to see her, speak to her, be with her, that's between them and her. I can't coach her to want to get them, want to be a, a, a real part of their lives, um, like outside of, of posting pictures, outside of social media, 
right? But I mean like real day-to-day parental. I can't force her and I can't force them. And me being the mediator does nothing but stress me out because at the end of the day, I don't like being the, we gonna do it this way because I said do it this way. I feel like we are all human beings. We're all on our path to do what we are supposed to do in our lives. And only we know truly what we're supposed to be doing because we will feel it, see it, hear it. Like it'll it'll become a passion of ours. I don't like being a dictator. I don't like being the person that has to make the rules. I'm a person of, of community as a result to my family. Like, right. So when I'm dealing with stuff with um, with work, and I feel like it's going to bother me at home. I talk to my kids about it. Hey, man, work was super crazy. If you can give me a couple hours, let me let me figure out where I'm at. And then we'll go from there. If it's something that's going to affect them. Hey, y'all, I'm thinking about dating. Come here. Let me let me holler at you. Hey, y'all, um, I'm thinking about taking it further than, than dating. Like, it's just that's how I am. Right. Even with stuff with them and they got going on, they'll be like, all right, dad, this is this is what I got to do about this or this is what I got to do about that. Yada, yada. And I'm like, so what do you think should happen? Right. My logic. For my life, even though seems logical, it may not be the logic that they need. So for me. When it comes to stuff like that, I allow them to curate the plan and then I just stand in as the enforcer of the plan um, as it starts going. And when I'm forced to be the dictator, when I'm forced to be the mediator, when I'm forced to just be the iron fist, it gets frustrating because I don't like that. Because what happens is if I got my hand in everything Right. If I got my hand in the kids relationships, if I got my hand in their friendships, their schooling, their their relationship with their mom, me, uh, their relationship with each other. If I got my hand on that heavy and and telling them do this, do that. It's not really them. They gonna get into the world and and look for someone to solely give them direction and not find direction on their own. They're going to be waiting for somebody to say, all right, I see what you're doing, going to work, going to school, playing sports. This is what you should be doing. Now do it without any uh, without any kickback. My, I, le- I leave so much room for my kids to disagree with me. Because I don't want them to, once their mind mature for real and they start really looking at their life, I don't want them to be like, dang, I never did nothing I wanted to do. I did everything to make dad happy. I did everything because dad said that that was the right thing to do. I did everything because it, because dad said, ooh, that looked like your passion, so I'm going to make you do it. Right? I remember I used to, when I used to, I used to look at the kids, see what they're doing, see what they're into, right? So... When I noticed they were into something, I would just buy a lot of it. Right. So twin was in robotics or twin was into um, robotics. He like he loves Iron Man. Even to this day, he loves Iron Man. So I bought a bunch of robotics stuff. Junior, uh, he takes after my brother, wants to be an art or let me not say wants to be. He is an artist. He sold a few pictures 
a few like a, like and I'm and I'm saying few not disrespectfully I mean like a like he sold enough for me to be like bro what is you doing like how, how did that even happen how did you even meet these people to to be able to sell pictures and draw these cartoons and custom shoes and stuff like that right so what do I do I go I'm I'm pitching in on paint I'm pitching in on materials right Kingston wants to be a DJ I'm getting him beat machines, I'm getting him speakers, I'm getting him laptops, just, you know, whatever. And what happens in that is because I'm witnessing this and I am assuming, oh, you, this is your passion. I'm money, 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 just putting it in. And then Twin could care less about robot, robotics or robotics camp right now. He's into video games. King King could care less about being a DJ right now. He's just into just living life. Cool, he cooling it right now. My baby is he's he's such a chill guy. I think Junior and not, let me not even say Junior, but out of the four of them that have like out of the four of them, Junior is the one that has stuck to what he what his passion is, which is art. To this day, it don't matter. He'll before he got fired, but he will get off work, draw, get up in the morning, draw, sit on the weekends, draw, stuff like that. And so it taught me a lesson of just being patient. Because I was I was trying to observe and 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 learn patience with relationships, romantic relationship with me, because I was an avid relationship hopper, right? I'm never like I think like the longest up until this last time, I think the longest I've been with uh, in between relationships is maybe a month. Like if that, like, and I'm, I'm, if that, right? And so I'm looking at the patience that I need to not relationship hop, but I'm trying to apply that to the kids. And the patients are different Right. It's it's way different. And you don't realize this until you start trying to heal that there's different levels of patience. There's different different ways that patience is applied. Um, and it's not it's just not the same. Right. And with that, with learning that I I fall back, I take I like I saw what I was doing. I looked at how long they was using the items that I purchased that I thought was their passion. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, that's not for me to step in on. I got to wait until they be like, yo, Pops, can I get some art supplies? Yo, Pops, I'm into DJing for real. Can you get this? And so now I live that way. I'm not jumping in. I'm not forcing you i'm not rushing you i'm not even directing you i'm standing and i'm or i'm sitting here and i'm waiting for you to tell me what it is that you want me to do having these back and forth with them are helpful but they're stressful because again i don't have a real co-parent so trying to trying to bring her down to the level of you got to do something because you losing them is difficult, right? I have my own issues with my own mother that I don't want them to have to go through, right? But she has to, she has to want them not to go through it. Only thing I could do is protect them. 
And by protection, I mean the only thing that I can do at this point, because I'm done mediating, I'm done even stepping in the middle. The only thing that I have to do is just completely cut communication myself. And so I let them know, listen, if y'all can't get it together, I'm not coaching anything. I'm just ending the game. Because it's too much. It's, it, it's no balance there. Right. It's no it's no balance. And I can't deal with what I'm trying to deal with as a parent trying to raise kids, trying to make sure I have money, make sure they have food, make sure they have clothes, make sure all the things that I'm supposed to do as their father on top of being professional at work, getting my job done at work, being focused at work on top of trying to find a partner for myself that not only is going to be a good partner for me, but a friend, but uh, a, a, a lover, a confidant, someone who can help me counsel, someone who can um, that can lean on me. Right. That it can be a peer connection. All of that is a lot because I'm still dealing with a certain level of grief. So I keep having to park my grief, get out and fix situations. I said before, I'm done with the unevil, uneven playing fields. My life requires a certain level of balance. And I said this year of 24 is going to be my reset year. And I've been moving accordingly, right? If it don't fit, it don't fit. I'm not dragging anything on. I'm not dragging friendships on. I'm not dragging relationships on. I'm not dragging uh, business opportunities or, or whatever. I'm not dragging none of that shit on. I've held on to everybody's else, everyone else's issues for so long. To the point to where it is very unhealthy for me. I say that because not I wasn't just taking on their stuff and trying to help and offering advice and finances or what have you. I was putting mine on a back burner. So I'm giving all the resources I need to fix my issue. To everyone else. And when it's time to fix me, I'm stuck in the dark with a blindfold on. And nobody's coming to save me, rightfully so. See, my mind operates in a way that I know no one is coming to save me. But I've experienced so much in my life that should have killed me that didn't. I feel like I'm strong. People treat me like I am the strong friend. The reality of it is I am weak. And that's what allows me to be strong. My vulnerability is is my superpower. It doesn't take away. How can I say this? My vulnerability being my superpower has put me at a further deficit mentally because I feel like I've experienced death at the highest levels, uh, losing a father figure, losing a daughter. I feel like because my goal in life was to be a, a fire ass husband and partner because the marriage didn't work, that's a failure. 
right? I've been doing poetry going on uh, going on two decades, and nothing has hit major, right? All of that stuff sits on me while I'm sitting passenger on somebody else's path, and my my lane is empty. My car is just door open, engine revving, nothing's going because I'm over here trying to fix this issue and I'm running out of gas, not paying attention. The way that I have been able to deal with life is that I have created these mental counterweights that give me balance. And that's what I want to get into today, the concept of counterweights in the realm of our minds, because it's necessary for us to be able to handle this shit. Your mental health is akin to a scale, right? We experience very high levels of life, there's an extreme level of downs as well. Without a counterweight, what happens is your life becomes one-sided, right? I say all the time that I don't strive for perfection because perfection is completion. And to me, completion is death. I do uh, uh, try to become a better version of me by the day. Good A lot of good without interruption can affect your mental in a negative way. Just like a lot of negative without interruption affects your mental. I don't think we realize the necessity, like, because you will get comfort, you'll get comfortable in perfection and you'll get comfortable in your routine and nothing will ever challenge that. So, You'll never become stronger. You'll never become wiser. You'll never become uh, uh, resilient because nothing is testing you. You are just everything is straight line. You're getting through every single door every single time. And if you're faced with a challenge, you're not going to know what to do because you haven't had to condition yourself. Whereas if it's 100% negative with no uh, interruption of positive, now you become dark. Depression uh, seeps in or seeps in, anxiety, paranoia, all those things seep in because there is no interruption of that thing. And so for me, I'm learning that you got to use the thing that hurts a little to push you and break down the thing that hurts a lot. Like, and for an example, for me, Kennedy dying is major to me. Me not being able to see Imani is major to me. Right? I mean, like almost like, I, not even an almost, like there's some form of emotion, guilt, grief, pain, hurt, chaos that I feel daily without having my daughters. But my sons are here and they live with me and they need me as well. 
And so the counterweight of that pain is the boys being here, right? Like really look at it like a scale, like this is grief, this is happiness, I don't got nothing, right? But I put the boys in the middle as the counterweight because they need me. I have to focus. I have to, I have to be what I'm supposed to be for them. And now there's balance. It's a little bit easier because there's distractions. There's there's the football games, the soccer games, um, the basketball games. There's the open houses and there's the, hey, dad, here's a picture that I drew. There's a, a chocolate sale or this or that. Like so it's there. The counterweight is them and their activities, though it's difficult because I never want them to feel like they are uh, um, they are a placeholder for what I feel about the loss of their sisters. Because they aren't, and I know this is about to sound super crazy, but the girl, both of the girls are the youngest, right? Or the the girl, uh, Imani is my fifth, Kennedy is my sixth, my sixth kid. So it's not that they're placeholders because they were here before, but that piece of me without my daughters is 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 it's a thing. But I use the fact that these kids are here here to help me heal because here's my reality. And again, y'all know I just whatever's in my mind, I say it. Here's my reality and why I I say I use it as an example, because everything in me wants like and I'm just keeping it a buck. When everything happened and Kennedy died, I didn't care about nothing. I'm like I was like one of them old uh, uh black movies where they be like lord take me take me give her back like i was like that like i was ready to just all right peace because in my mind she she need a parent too in a spiritual realm because it's real right but i'm like man my 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 other kids need me i got a responsibility i don't have the luxury of not i don't have a luxury of not being a parent because they have they the other parent beat me to the deadbeat part I don't have the luxury. And I'm not even complaining about that because I love being a parent. Like, I, like, that's my shit. I love it. But I have to maneuver through, through this minefield and I have to place these counterweights here and there of the small things that hurt, that help me, you know, get up that hill to, to, to fracture it, at least fracture the big thing that's, that's giving me issue. Like just the the heavy, those heavy but lightweight things bring balance when your scale starts to tip too far. It's like when you're when you're in a relationship, right? And or even a friendship, you have that one person that is gonna bring you back. It's one thing about me, and I've always been this way, corny as it sounds, like whether it's uh, whether it's a best friend, a close friend, um, they have a certain energy that no matter what, when you with them, like you feel that energy and it's able to, to reel you back in. It's able to it's able to pull you back in. Like for me, like in relationships. Right. I'm a person like I like I, I know corny as it sound movie like movie movie esque as it sounds. 
when my connection to someone is what it's supposed to be and we are in sync, I could be stressing my brains out. If I can find you and make eye contact with you, whether we're in a crowd, whether you across the, the room in the house, like if I can in that moment, if I could just get your eyes on my eyes, I'll be able to calm down. Right. I'll be able to be real back in um, if I'm if I'm gone too far. These counterweights that I'm talking about are going to contribute to a healthier mental state. I know that sounds so weird. Like, why would I use the, the small hurt to help with the big hurt? Because it's conditioning. Just as any engineering, uh, just as in any engineering build, finding the right counterweight is crucial because it results to your mental health. You got to figure out what are the factors in your life that counterbalance stress, anxiety or negativity. And this could be your relationships. This could be hobbies. This could be, you know, mindful practices, meditation, exercise, like, et cetera. For me, my hobbies don't distract me enough. I love poetry, but my poetry style is based in the pain that I've gone through. So when I'm going through it and I, I begin to piece stuff together, I'm still dealing with the trauma that that got me here. So that's not enough to distract me because I'm, I'm expressing myself through poetry, but it's the pain that seeps out. Even when I sit down, like, all right, I'm going to try to write like um, a chill poem. The way that my mind works, it'll be chilled. It'll tell a story and I'll be able to piece the words together. But you're going to know that this bloomed from pain. For so long, my, you know, my relationships like romantic and platonic relationships are subpar at times with the mental state that I'm in. I'm not saying those people are subpar. I'm saying because my mental state, it seems a little bit off. It could be your best friend. It could be your partner. But no matter how hard you try uh, the connection, it just doesn't sink. And, I, and you never catch the rhythm of peace. A lot of people get frustrated about that. Because you start you, you start understanding or you start feeling like everything is going so good. Everything is going so great. You know, why? Why this? Why that? It's not sinking. When you are at a level of when, when, when you start wanting to really be who you are and feel free and, you know, remove yourself from the group thinking and stuff, you start understanding connections are real. And it's important and imperative that you connect correctly and it's important that you be able to be honest with yourself when it just doesn't sink. It ain't no ill will. Like I tell people all the time, I don't have no ill will towards nobody. If it worked, it worked. If the connection sink, it sink. If it didn't, it didn't. And it's not no, it's not anybody's fault. It just didn't work. Like this is no fault of yours or the 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 counterweight. It's just the way of life. Our minds are a labyrinth and it's very rare you can give someone the key and they know their way around. Like people don't understand, like when you going through some mental stuff or just in general and they're like, you know, I could help you. Dah, 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 and it's like, all right. 
trying to be honest with you, but all right. You don't know your way around there. You don't know the crazy thoughts that I like y'all like y'all think I just be saying like randomness or y'all think I be saying like for real what's what's on my mind. If I really, really like gave at least 95% of what how my mind translate things, y'all probably be like, all right, fam, gotta go. Fam, get him the, the rubber, uh the rubber grippies. Get him the, his nightgown. He need to do that that weekend. Cause it's a lot in there that I deal with. It's a lot of different perspectives in my mind that I have to look from, like, because I'm very cognizant of how I talk to people and how I deliver my emotions with that. Is learning how to see things from different angles in your mind before you say something or act on something. That's why it's easier for me not to argue with people. Because I'm looking at how you I'm looking at how you might feel about whatever's going on. I'm looking at. You know, if I know you, like if I grew up with you or if I have knowledge of who you are, I'm taking that into account when I'm dealing with you. I'm doing my best to make sure I don't trigger you in a way you've been triggered before. I do my best to make sure that I don't say things, even if I'm hurt, even if it's something that I need to deliver from me. I'm very cognizant of wording. A lot of people don't understand that and they just try to get in your mind and, and, and get in your heart. And they feel like because I'm me, because I'm 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 this light, because I'm this love, because I'm this peace that it's going to work with everybody. And it's not. I'm telling you that from experience, we get into these situations to where we just feel like our presence is enough and all the walls are break down. But that's not how it works, especially when someone is dealing with mental deficit. I used to be a person of blind trust, like heart, mind, like by everything just wide open, wide open. It didn't matter. I was under the impression that if I loved hard enough and good enough long enough it would be reciprocated but this blind expectation it tipped my skill over and often like it tipped it so much that I got comfortable in bad relationships with horrible connections I'm screaming, I love this woman this is the love of my life, I never felt like this before, whole oh, wow Things going on behind the scenes. And when you find out, you, you feel ignorant, you feel hurt, you feel played like, dang, I can't believe it. But then the reality of it is, it's like, yo, you saw that. Quit playing. That's why I'm bad. That's why I do not bad mouth none of them. I don't. Because I got comfortable with bad connection. I got comfortable with the bad relationship. And I stayed knowing, seeing feeling the disrespect, the hatred, the chaos, I could have left. So there's no point of years later me saying, yo, like, oh, this, this was this, that. No, I was there, man. I saw that shit. It was wrong. It was wrong. But I use that now as a counterweight to teach me, hey, no more blind love. No more just wide open. Make these motherfuckers work for it. Because you working for theirs, you not just walking up on nobody, friendship or relationship and like, yo, I'm here. We good now. Fam, no. Fuck out of my face. 
I don't, I don't care about that. What are you, what are you trying to accomplish? What do you want from me? Why are you here? Who sent you? Because if you can't reciprocate what I'm giving, you have to get away from me. If you don't understand how I love, how I heal, how I apologize, if you don't understand those things, you got to get away from me. If you're not willing to understand those things, you got to get away from me. If certain things that I'm sorry, partner, kids, whoever, your ass will not be first. If I say get away from me because this is something I have to deal with, you got to respect that. Because there's going to be moments where you're going to feel like. I don't want to be bothered. I know he I know he's going to try to help me, but this ain't one of them things that I need help with. You're going to feel that way about me. And I'm going to have to eat that and just chill, even though I might feel like, yo, I have some insight on that that might help you. You're not ready for it. And so when people try to over their uh, uh, overpower they, their way into, I'm going to be your peace. We're not synced, sweetheart. How are you my peace? Even when me and the kids aren't on the same page, they'll say something like, oh, I thought you I thought you knew that we're not synced. Big dog. Like what's going on? Where's the communication? Where's the the uh, uh, the attempt to care? Where is the, the call to action? Where is the action? We can't keep showing up to these spaces. Without. Offering balance. Don't fucking just stand there looking pretty. Your titty's not going to do it all the time. Your ass not going to do it all the time. Your abs not going to do it all the time. Your dick, your vagina. Like, it's, you're not going to be able to do it all the time. What else are we talking about here? Do you care about my health? Do you even care about my mind? Like, like what, are, what are we talking? And again, I'm saying all of this. Because it's something that we as the person going through the mental deficit need to really understand of how important it is to have balance in our healing, not theirs. Their healing has zero to do with us. The goal when you are dealing with somebody who is in their healing process is not to add to the chaos and trauma and triggers. That's it. It is your responsibility to just be there and sometimes just be there and shut the fuck up. I know that sounds harsh, but that legit is what it is. Sometimes silence speaks the loudest and I've gotten some of my greatest answers in silence from silence. I had to stop myself from blindly just believing in every person because they said they loved me because they said they were cool with me. Oh, yeah. Like, no, that's not how that shit work, because everybody has an ulterior motive. I don't care. I slice it how you want to. But when you are dealing with people, there is a need that you that you want from them or there's something that you want from them. Whether you want the longevity of sex, of companionship, uh, whether you need a, a, a person that is financially stable uh, to get to get with you because life is just life in and whatever. Like it's it's there's always a want. There's always a, a need there. And I say all the time, don't need me if you don't want me. 
Because if you need me by itself, when the need is fulfilled, you gonna dip and go to the next thing on your list of whatever you need and you're gonna go to somebody else. But if you need and want me, then this is gonna be a repetitive cycle of us growing together because we are fulfilling each other's needs and we are fulfilling the wants that we have of each other. And it's a back and forth thing. It's not a one-sided situation. Because my tail skip or my my scale tipped over so often and I got comfortable, right? It affected my self-esteem. It added to fear. It added to confusion. Um, and all of that culminated into embarrassment. And because I had no counterweight to balance those thoughts, I always spiraled into isolation. If you go back to episode one, two, three, I'm, I'm talking about isolation. It is a learned skill because if you do it incorrectly and if you do it at the wrong time, you will fail yourself. I'm telling you that now because there is a way to isolate without furthering your mental deficit. If you are doing it from malice, from hatred, from anger, in spite of if you're doing it for any of that, you're going to fail. Because why? Because because you're doing it because you're thinking you think you're hurting someone. I start isolating because I needed to help myself. There is no ill will in my isolation. There is no hatred in my isolation embarrassment yeah because i'm now watching my life outside in right when you when you start trying to heal for real you really start playing back memories but this time you play them back and you're looking from the outside in you're not playing them back as the victim you're not playing them back as uh as the person who is right all that you're not playing it back like that you're playing like let me see oh shit i i shouldn't have said it like that oh look how look like look how i was standing like that that body language gave off like i was about to try to do something like and you start really thinking about that stuff and it's like oh crap and now you have to hold yourself accountable now that counterweight of accountability is sitting on you and now it's not like oh i hate this person i dislike this person this person did this this person did that it's i could have left i shouldn't have said it like that i shouldn't i shouldn't have done that i shouldn't have responded in that way because i am supposed to be who i say that i am i was driving um i was driving to court the other day right and I was like, I was pissed off driving. I was pissed off because I got sent to court or someone was trying to sue me for their mistake. And they expected me to just be like, oh, okay, I'm just going to, to deal with it. I have all the receipts. I have all the communication, yada, yada, whatever. I know that I'm right. But I had to drive an hour and 30 minutes knowing that I was right. 
knowing that the person who who attempted to sue me knew that I was right. They even they even gave me a letter like, oh, no, nah, this is our fault. But because. It's too late to stop the uh, suing. We're just going to give him this letter, give it to the court. They're going to extend yada, yada, whatever. And something hit me right in right in the midst of my anger is that even when you're right, you have to follow the process. You can't expect people to hold themselves accountable for doing you a certain way. Younger me, because I was right, I didn't see a lot of stuff through. In my mind, like with court situations, with relationship stuff, I just was like, all right, you're going to see that that I was right. Just like because it's facts. It's not me. It's not an emotional thing. It's not me trying to gaslight. It's not me trying to convince. The facts show that I'm right. So you're going to apologize and you're going to work on it. Never happened. In a professional setting. I got to go to court. I'm right. You would think that they would be like, man, don't come up here. Don't waste your time. You right. Nope. Don't work like that. And so I'm, I'm telling you, it was. It was like the weight of the world lifted off me in that moment because I started to realize how many things I allowed to fuck up my life because I was right. And I didn't want to go through the process. I didn't want to explain why I was right. I didn't want to show why I was right. I just knew that I was right. And I felt like because I'm compassionate, because I'm loving, because I'm caring, you don't see that I'm right. And you're going to be like, man, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have sued him. I shouldn't have done this in a relationship. But it never happened. And I was like, damn, that's crazy how much I lost when I was right because I didn't want to follow the process. Because in my mind, I ain't arguing with nobody. I ain't convincing nobody. I didn't lost cars. I didn't lost places. I didn't lost money. I didn't lost relationships all because I was right and didn't want to have the conversation of, of being right because I didn't know how. A lot of us don't know how to have the conversation. We have no counterweight showing us the balance of right and wrong. We just know we right and we going in guns blazing. I don't, uh, blazing. I don't give a fuck about this, that, boom, boom, boom. And we feel like that's okay. Is the goal to be right or is the goal to grow? What are you trying to accomplish? What do you what do you what's what's the purpose of, of conversation with the person you feel doing you wrong? Like, is it just to tell them, yo, you know you did me wrong? Because that's useless. What the fuck? Right? And so now in my mind, I'm like, when that hit me, I'm like, okay, cool. Like I get it now. Another level of accountability for me because in my heart, in my mind, a lot of situations, I'm like, man, that's fucked up. I can't believe they did that. Da, 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 da. And then I'm looking at it again. I'm like, yo, no, you had an opportunity to, to speak your piece. But remember, you ain't arguing with nobody. You ain't convincing nobody. You ain't doing this. You ain't doing that. You right. It don't matter if you fucking right to yourself. You got to tell motherfuckers who you are. And I'm not even meaning that in a threat, uh, in a threatful way. I mean, like you have to let people know, yo, I know I'm right. This is this is why. 
I'm not here to argue. I'm not here to debate. The facts are this because I'm going to accept my wrong. Immediately. And not only am I going to accept my wrong, you're going to tell me I'm wrong. You see the difference between how life normally is and what I'm saying right now? Somebody will always tell you you're wrong. No, I'm not coming to you to tell you you're wrong, because if I'm coming to you to tell you you're wrong, that means I'm coming to you to start a fight with you. What I'm saying got zero to do with you. I'm not here to fight. I'm not here to debate nor argue. I'm here to say I am right. This is why I am right. If you feel right or wrong, it's up to you to either accept the conversation or interaction or for you to just be like, all right, whatever. But for me, giving up is no longer an option. And what I mean by giving up is that if I'm in a situation um, and I know that I'm right and my freedom, my money, like my my living situation, if any of that is challenged, it don't matter if I'm right. I got to go drive an hour and 30 minutes. I got to go. I have to. I have to see it through. Because what good is it for me being right if I still have to experience the penalty that comes from being wrong? What good is it? In my isolation, I figured there's nobody around me to add weight to, to an already heavy load that I have. I found out almost immediately that done incorrectly, isolation is the heaviest place the mind can be. And if you aren't prepared to fight, you will break. I was in isolation um, when I very first started practicing isolation. It was so much anger in there. It was so much hurt. It was so much pain. I didn't know what was up, what was down, left or right. I was just by myself in the dark, just, I can't believe this person did this. I can't believe this did did nothing but make me worse did nothing but make me now have to be on medication didn't go into therapy every you know every week four or five six months straight it did nothing but make me hate everything that much more and that's not what I was doing it for I know it sucks I know it's difficult but as I always say we have to condition ourselves to be able to handle things and so that's what I had to start doing I could no longer run from Grief. I can no longer run from pain. I can no longer run from bad relationships. I had to look that shit in the face and say, what are you going to do for you? It took a while. It took a long while for me to get to the point to say, hey, bro, sit your ass now. Sit down. Stop getting into relationships. Stop trying to job hop. Stop doing sit sit down. What do you want in life? How do you want to be? Who do you want to be? What type of partner do you want? How do you want to to raise your kids? How do you want to help your kids? Like sit your ass down, boy. I had to be on I had to be on that type of time. Because I didn't know. I thought I knew what love was. I thought I knew what, what pain really was. I thought I knew these things and I didn't know. And so I had to really find out who I was because the way that I was isolating was not correct. It made things worse.
I had no action plan. It was just don't talk to this person or that person. Don't interact with this person. But it was no, hey, don't don't interact with this person. But get your meditate uh, meditation on. Don't go hang in those spaces no more. Use that time to take a walk. Go to the lake. Go breathe. Go go exercise. Go do something for you. Right. And then when I start learning how to isolate properly is when it made it easier for me to come out of isolation. Because now I've conditioned myself to know what what hurts me, what triggers me, what gets on my I, I've learned that. So now I don't have to isolate as much more than it is to just disconnect. And again, I know it's difficult, but all of this stuff comes with conditioning. We got to remember, we never been in these situations before. I think that's one of the biggest things that affect us um, on the mental front. And, and what I mean by that, um, it affects our self-esteem. It affects how we maneuver through life. It affects how we see ourselves. We feel like at our age, we should be able to do certain things. Right. And we don't take into account that a lot of the stuff that we going through, we never been through that before. We never been through it before. I was ne I like I had never been a husband, a father. I had never experienced the death of a child, never experienced divorce or domestic violence until it happened. You're not out there. It's not like like a sport, like I'm out here preparing for domestic violence. I'm out here uh, preparing for divorce. I'm out here preparing to be a husband or father. I'm just trying to be like like what? Because you don't know you want to be a husband for real until you're in a relationship and that person has a, a connection with you that's like, oh, I want to do this forever. You don't know motherfucker going to put their hands on you until they put their hands on you. So you're not in the gym boxing like I can't wait to, you know, I'm in a relationship because that's the last place you think somebody going to put their hands on you. You're not preparing as a parent when you when you get the call or if you're there when your partner, you know, takes the pregnancy test and you're not like, oh. Let me prepare for the, the kid to die. We never been there before, yet we're hard on ourselves like we have all the answers in those moments that we have never experienced. And instead of us understanding that we get down on ourselves. The fog gets super thick and now we're somewhere tucked in a room because we feel like we should be further along. We feel like we should be able to handle those things because society says at a certain age, you're supposed to be able to handle all these things. And it's not true. I've never been here before. I don't know what this is. This feeling that has uh, 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 is drowning me. As a clutch around my neck, I don't I don't know. I can't even find my bearings to to figure out how to defend myself, how to 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 get knowledge about whatever it is. I've never been here before. Until a lot of things, until it happens, you don't know what to do now that I've experienced these things. Now I can go back to the drawing board and now I can have some level of preparation because I've experienced it before. It goes back to what I tell you. I don't get advice from people who have not been through what I'm going through and got through it or going through it right now and doing a better job of, of going through it than I am. Like if you haven't experienced it, I can't have a conversation. What, what are we going to talk about? We never done any of this stuff before. We are we're literally every day that we walk out, we are learning how to fly in a different subject, different thing. We never know what the world is going to throw at us.
with all of that, though, right, with all of that and never experiencing certain things. We still got to fight. We still have to fight for ourselves and remember that resilience acts as a powerful counterweight. I think for me, that's one of the, the most powerful ones that is in my arsenal. Uh, resilience is defined as the ability to recover from or adjust easily to miss and fortune or change, helping us bounce back from life challenges. This is where I got the phrase. We got to go through something to get somewhere. Because I'm aware life is completely unfair. I'm aware everything won't go my way. I am also aware that things that are meant to go right will never go left. So I have to keep it pushing, keep things going how I need them to go so that when it's time for me to meet the next milestone of my life, I'll be prepared in the in the correct time and space of that thing to receive it properly. And I'm not battling it. I'm not uh, um, pushing it away. And it's trying to it like I, I'm not pushing when it say pull and I'm not pulling when it says push. The things I can handle now. Would have killed me five years ago, 10 years ago, I wasn't prepared. If you told me 10 years ago, I would be dealing with the death of a child. If you're telling me 10 years ago, my kids will grow up and have this broken, fractured relationship with their mother that I had, like I have to be the mediator and glue to. If you told me 10 years ago that I would even be a single parent, I would be like, man, if you don't get that shit up out of here. There ain't no way that my life is going to turn out that fucking bad. There's no way. I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared for the level of pain and chaos and confusion that has happened over the past 10 years, 15 years. Everything felt heavy. Everything threw me off because I was trying to heal everything at once. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that you're holding on to every ounce of trauma, every trigger, every ounce of pain that you've ever experienced and you trying to heal it at once? Think about how heavy that is. As I started to grow in, um, as I started to grow in, in seek peace, right? I began to use the smaller traumas to fight the bigger ones. I began to prioritize the hurt and figure out what was a right now fight and what wasn't. In doing so, <laughs> man, in doing so, I experienced the... the Highest level of self-inflicted pain I think I ever have. Because I got to sit and I got to go through this over and over and again in my mind to figure out, is it, it, does this even need a response? Do I even need to do anything right here in this situation? It is me saying anything like, what is it that's going to stop this for me? Right. I learned that like cars. Our minds require a tune up and to make sure we are uh, to make sure we are running properly. And if you are struggling mentally, it requires a tune up more often. I know that sucks. 
Trust me, because I be on with my life coach, I be on with my therapist, and I be like, why? It just seemed like so much. Again, like like cars, we we require maintenance. Our mind, it, our, it, it is what it is. Self-awareness is going to be your driver. I love that. I am very self-aware. I love that I, I put in the work to allow myself to drive when I can. Um, you need to be aware of your surroundings. Be aware of your emotions, your thoughts and behaviors. You need to understand your mental landscape and be strong enough to acknowledge both positive and negative aspects. Honesty helps. As embarrassing as it is, I know from experience how embarrassing it is to let people in or uh, in on your diagnosis and behaviors from said diagnosis. But it's important to be honest if you're trying to make any type of uh, connection with anyone. It's difficult because like I look at it and I be trying my hardest to to just be up front and it's hurtful when you are up front and there's still a lack of of understanding of who you are, how you are, because I don't like telling people what's going on for real. But if I feel like I want to connect with you, I'm going to let you know. I mean, whole wow, you know, got the fat man mist on the forehead, um, a titty sweating. Like, it's just it's an insane feeling of just of just release. Right. I had a whole like I had a whole panic attack the other day because I had a conversation and I was just kind of talking about my past and I was being honest about everything. And I said, I'm not honest on this podcast. But again, it's certain things that I'm just not going to put on, on the podcast because. At the end of the day, you know, there are certain people in my life that may have done me wrong, but there's still people. And just because I don't talk to them or interact with them don't mean that I don't have a certain level of love for them. But the reality of your tune up, your mental tune up is that. You have to believe that you can get better. You have to really study what these people are telling you. Like my diagnosis is clinical depression, anxiety, paranoia, right? But what does that really mean? What does it really look like? And so I sit down and sat down and um, I researched the medicine that they was wanting me to take. Um, I researched the diagnosis and what, you know, what scientifically they say you know, is the reason behind it and stuff like that. Um, I looked uh, or studied like uh, the type of therapies that may help with this type of situation. And for me, I'm like, all right. I don't just need a therapist because this is again, this is how the podcast was started. I was already in therapy, but I needed a lived experience type conversation and I couldn't find that anywhere. I couldn't find that type of coaching, counseling, whatever. And so I'm like, man, it, it, it's probably hella people out there that do therapy and therapy gets them to 85 percent, 90 percent. But that 10 that's missing is a lot. Right. And without it, you just still feel incomplete. And so 
that's where I am in my self-awareness. I had to figure this stuff out for me because I'm living with it. I'm living through it. I, like it's a day-to-day fight. Um, like I said, I had to study the medicine in, in way if the effects, the positive effects outweigh the side effects. Right. I had to do a deep dive. What is depression? How does how like how is it? How does that work? Is it a chemical thing? Is it an emotional thing? Like, like, how does that work? Anxiety. I had to go through all of that. And I still to this day, while I'm getting ready for the podcast, I still read articles on all of it. Just getting different, just getting different perspectives on how people are dealing with uh, with certain things. So being self-aware is going to help you get to that point to where you can have meaningful connections, whether it initially is embarrassing or not. Right. The key is to find someone who you trust enough to be open with. And then give them time to handle that information and, and see where, where it goes. Right. They're not going to know if, if they don't, uh, if they haven't experienced it, they're not going to know. But you have to decide if it's something that you're going to be willing to let go of and, and, and give someone else the reins of. Um, there's regular maintenance. Excuse me. There's regular maintenance required. The way cars need regular checkups to ensure optimal performance. So does our minds. You got to schedule a regular mental health check. That's why I start the podcast and I try to do at least 10, 15 minutes of what my week looked like. I know y'all probably don't care about that, but it's just to get you all in practice with the importance of having that moment to just have that check in with yourself and just say what you need to say and how you really felt. Um, This is why, again, this is why I start the pod. Like I do, I feel like it's necessary for people to have those check-ins and understand. It's imperative this happens in a way that is comfortable to you, though. Don't let nobody force you into a checkup. Don't let nobody force you into you, you know, having to sit down and, and do whatever as a result to your mental when you're not ready. Because if you do it incorrectly, you can set yourself back. I'm telling you from experience. Um, Holding too much in will kill you. When I don't pod and I am and I'm not in contact or communication with my friends uh, that are people who I consider my friends or anything like shit gets so heavy because it's just sitting in my mind. If I'm not journaling, if I'm not potting, like it just sits in my mind and it gets so heavy. And I'm just being honest. Sometimes I, I can't I can't differentiate what's what. And again, that's another thing. It just it shuts me down. Like you have to reflect on your emotions. You have to evaluate your stress level and identify areas that might need attention or improvement. Without these check-ins, I don't know what I need improvement on. I don't know what I need help on. I don't know. Like without me really um, going through my mental or, yeah, without me going through my mental health checks, meaning like I'm taking every day of the week and I'm like, all right, how did I feel today? What happened to make me feel good or bad, right? If I'm not doing that, I don't know what needs attention. 
I don't know what. All right. You got that part. You can fall back on that. Add that time to this. I don't know if I don't do these check ins and be honest with myself. Fuel is required, just like cars. Your mind needs quality fuel to run smoothly. So start having positive habits. Whether it's, again, exercise, cooking, uh, arts and crafts, like whatever it is that you feel like is a hobby of yours or whatever it is you feel like is a good habit that fits in your life, start doing it. Because that's going to help. It's going to it's going to a few positivity and it's going to dilute the negative thoughts that you're having. You have to cultivate healthy routines. You got to exercise and nourish your body with a balanced diet. I'm telling you this. I'm, listen. I used to be laughing with y'all about these vegans and vegetarians and pescatarians and yada, yada, whatever. And I messed around last month and did a 30 day, a, a 30 day juice fast. Right. And so uh, let me not say juice. I did a 30 day fruit fast and I was switching between juicing like cold pressed juice, whatever. Um, eating the fruit. Raw, just cutting up, eating it and uh, smoothies. Right. My skin had never felt this good. My scalp had never been this clear. Um, I wasn't waking up with heartburn, indigestion like I wasn't even getting heartburn. Just it was just so many things that I'm like, oh, shit, like I guess it is the food that I'm eating. I guess I, I guess, you know, that is affecting my body for real. And not just gaining weight. See, we 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 are only taught food affects us gaining weight. That's the only thing like we're taught. It's, it's, it's not until now that we're getting into the chemicals. And I'm talking openly, maybe again because of social media. So if it's been going on, I apologize. But because of social media, it's open more. And so... Having the proper fuel to get you through what you need to get through is important. I'm not saying go vegan. I'm not saying go vegetarian or anything like that. I'm just telling you from my experience, a lot changed on that 30 day of me just eating fruits that were recognizable and now important enough to where I'm sticking to, you know, doing those juices. Of course, I'm going to add some solid foods at, you know, to my diet, but it's not at all going to be the same thing that I was before. Again, just fuel yourself properly. Um, you have to be mindful. It's what living is meant for. So as you're living your life, you have to be mindful. Just as a driver needs to be present on the road, Practice mindfulness in your daily life. Be present in the moment. Focus on what you're doing and avoid unnecessary distractions. Sometimes you got to put the phone down. You got to. Sometimes you got it because I'm telling you, they they telling you something that's not real in your life and you're falling for it every time. We do it all the time, whether it's entertainment, relationships, finances, creativity, we fall into it all the time. We get distracted by something that does not apply to us and we start going ham on responding as if it does. Like we we want to jump in, we want to be a part so often because of social media, like we just offer an opinions that we really don't have no clue of what it is. 
Mindful living can reduce stress and enhance mental clarity. Patience, purpose, order is what I call mindful living. If it's mine, it will be here when it's time for it. If it doesn't belong to me, I'll never know because it wasn't meant for me to see, hear, or touch. I'll never know. And I'm fine with I'm fine with never knowing something wasn't for me. Because it does mean no uh, justice knowing that it that it's not for me. On this road of life, handling detours and roadblocks are important. They are. I'm sorry. We got to go through them. There's no way that you're going to avoid them in your life. Like a road trip. Life can have unexpected detours and challenges. You got to develop resilience and proper coping mechanisms to navigate through difficult times. Learn to adapt and find alternative routes when faced with obstacles. That's the, the thing that's different with me now. I don't want an alternative route. I want to go around it. I don't want to go over it. I don't even want to go through it. I want to break that shit down. I want to stand in front of it. I want to acknowledge the pain. I want to acknowledge the hurt. And then I want to break it down. I want to show it that it has no control over me no more. And this is this is a big fight that we have to fight with each level of trauma, with each different uh, uh, issue. We have to just be able to stand in front of it. Right. There is a time for retreating and there is a time for beating through some shit. And when it comes to your mental health, there's a balance there and you have to have that counterweight there to tell you fight. It, you got it right now. Come on. You like go. You got it. And has to also be able to lower your expectations and ego to say it's too much for me right now. I can't. It's not. This is not a manageable fight that I could uh, I could attend right now. I can't participate in this. It's too much. It's, it's, it's too strong. I'm not strong enough for it. Balance in the rear view. Like, think about that. Like, when you adjust in a mirror, a balanced life is essential for mental well-being. Just as a driver adjusts the rear view mirrors for a balanced view, ensure you have balanced life with time, work, relationships, self-care, leisure, etc. Don't put all your buckets into work. Don't put all your, your or buckets. Don't put all your eggs into work. Don't put all your eggs into relationships. Don't put it all into self-care, into leisure. Like you got to divvy it up properly. You got to know what's what, when, what, why, where, how. Like you got to know. You, you, you can't keep going. You're too old to be blind. You're too important to yourself to have to keep going. You have to, to, to keep going this way. You have to give your chance an opportunity to 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 rest and recharge. Like. I watch NASCAR from time to time, and one of the ex most exciting things is the pit stop. Because the pit stop, it's either a quick strategy conversation, um, like something's always getting fixed. Like the tires on off really fast, wipe the windshield, you know, 
because bugs probably splattered all over your windshield. Get a, the driver a sip of water, put gas in it, yada, yada, whatever. Like, that's what, like, one of the coolest things because they do it so fast and so efficiently. It's like, yo, that's crazy. But the reality of it is that split second is literally the only time the driver has to rest. I don't even know what the record is, but them people be 10, 11, 12, 13 seconds of just boom, 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 out. Super crazy. And I could be exaggerating with the seconds. But if you know NASCAR, you know what I'm talking about, how fast it goes. But that moment is the only moment that driver has to breathe. Other than that, they have to like I got to focus. I got to maneuver. I got to check my speed. Got to make sure this. I got to listen to to people in the, in the cockpit. I got to do all, all of that. It's no different than us in our real life. We got to stop sometimes. We got to sit. Even if for that few seconds, we got to prioritize um, adequate sleep and relaxation. We got to recharge our mental batteries to stay alert. We have to be focused and we have to be resilient. I know I keep repeating resilience because it is important to your mental health that you condition yourself to be able to get through and get over to an extent the trauma and triggers that you experience so you that you can be able to step back and focus and fight. You have to upgrade your your mind, your mental software by learning new skills. You have to gain knowledge of, of things you pro like it's so much that and I used to pride myself on this in high school. I be knowing so much about nothing. It's not even funny, but I just don't be saying stuff to people because I don't want to seem like a know it all. But I be paying attention to everything and I have so much useless knowledge like it's just the funniest thing. And I've, again, I've been like that since high school. And so, you know, daily, weekly, yearly, I'm updating the useless knowledge. Like, I don't know if I'm going to need it. I don't know if it's going to apply to me. I didn't learn how to build bookcases from scratch, stages. Like, I didn't learn electronics. Like, just because I'm like, oh, that looks interesting. I, I want to learn it. But it also works as a distraction from the negative things that try to hinder you from moving on in life. You got to challenge yourself consistently. And, and constantly like you, you have to continuous personal growth contributes to a healthier and more resilient mind. So when you are obtaining more knowledge, you are fortifying your, your mind to become stronger so that the mundane things won't bother you as much anymore. Right. It's all about getting yourself to a point to where you can operate freely within who you want to be so that you can look yourself in the face and say, I am this person and actually be that person and then not be a quote unquote manifestation of wanting to be that person. It takes time to get there, but you have to be accountable. You have to be honest. You have to be self-aware so that you can accomplish that feat for yourself, not for anybody else. Now, if we go through all these things that I just named, if we go through these checkups, if we go through being resilient, if we go through being honest, if we go through our pit stop and it's still not seeming like enough. You need to go seek a mechanic and by mechanic, I mean a life coach, a counselor, a psychiatrist, psychologist, a friend group that are friend that you feel that you are in tune with, that you can fully release whatever's in you and that person will uh, uh, 
give you advice, give you a shoulder, give you silence without judgment. So never feel like or never put yourself in a position to where you are completely solo, broken away from any type of assistance in the event that you need it. I told you guys, I isolate how I isolate because of what I've been through, but I learned how to isolate this way. In my isolation, there is people there. I know that sounds crazy. There's people there, there's therapists, there's life coaches, there's friends, uh, there, there's family, there's loved ones. Like, So even when it looks like I am uh, uh, disconnected from the world, I have a network, a small network of people who, who know what they know. And I utilize them accordingly. And I'm not saying it like they're tools, but yeah. They're my friends. They're my folks. You know what I mean? So it's certain things that comes with being my friend, just like it's certain things that comes with being your friend, being your partner, me being your like it. There's it's just something that comes with it. So I don't want to I don't want to ever make you guys feel like I'm against therapy, against uh, friend groups or uh, counseling. I'm not against any of that. I'm against it when it's done for the sake of others. Like if you join in a group therapy because somebody said you should join it, but you really not comfortable talking about your real self in front of people just yet, you're going to get in there. And you're going to lie. You're going to get in there. And you're going to omit. You're going to get in there. And you're going to do yourself a fucking disservice because you're trying to please someone. So it's never that I don't want you to get professional help or help from anyone. It's that I want you to do it in a way that's healthy for you so that you can actually get something from it as well. You don't want to just be going places, wasting time, wasting money, um, being half assed in your healing because it's going to prolong what you're trying to get to. You can't do that to yourself. Like, do you love you? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be happy? Do you want peace? And if the answer is yes to all those things, what are you willing to obtain it? What are you willing to do for yourself? What are you willing to to stop doing to yourself to make sure that you have a proper counterweight and you can establish balance in your life, your mental health, your love, your parenting, your work? What are you willing to do for that? And then once you figure out what you're willing to do, figure out how long it's going to take you to do it and start going for it. It ain't going to be overnight. It's not going to be even in a week. Sometimes it won't be even in a month, but you can't allow yourself to get discouraged and stop because it's taking you a little bit longer. You have to understand you've been going through trauma your entire life and no one came to save you. You're now trying to save yourself. So all the shit that you went through from the time you could remember to today, you got to unpack that shit yourself. And you got to want to to fold it properly. You got to want to store it properly. Don't just unpack that shit and just throw it on a bed. Don't just slide it to the side and just hop in, hop in the bed. Because why is you sleeping with the enemy? Yeah, you, yourself. Why are you sleeping with why are you sleeping with the enemy? Get your ass up, meditate, try to figure out what's going on. Try to break free from uh, uh, the, the mental deficit. Try I'm not saying that shit gonna work. 
it's a lot of things that I tried. The shit just don't work. I still be like overly emotional. I still be incapable of doing certain things. But one thing for certain, two things for fucking sure, I am going to give myself my all as a result to trying to heal within my mental health. Period. The way that the world does not belong to you, it don't. And you guys have to stop trying to make it belong. You don't own the weight of the world. Find your counterweight to ease the load. And remember, like, oh my God, remember, we got to go through something to get somewhere. I'm glad y'all doing that with me. Yo, thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Head over to www.peacefullyflawed.com for all things complex and your poetic properties merch. If you want to donate to the podcast, download Good Pods. There's a tip jar over there. You can rate the episodes in real time. Um, you can converse with your favorite podcast host. It's a blast over there. Good Pods, download it. You will not be disappointed. Trust me. If you want to donate to the business overall, head over to my Twitter page, The Complex. There's a tip jar over there. If you are somebody who like, comment, or share, I appreciate you all the same. I'm still trying to get us in more countries. We are in 28 right now. I'm so grateful that you all are taking the time to uh, listen to these sessions. I do hope that they are helpful to all of you. I love you all the same. Again, www.peacefullyflawed.com for all things complex. And remember, no matter the darkness, if we have air in us, we have the opportunity and ability to get to the light. Peace.